What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Brooks, for the Wizards Junkies podcast on the Sports Pulse Network. And today I got me a double whammy, man. I got Ian and I got Jalen. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourself? Say what's up to the people. Yeah, go ahead, Jalen. Oh, what's up, everybody? Uh, Third podcast. I'm super glad to be on. I'm just glad the Wizards are getting back on the court. Yep. Uh, Thanks for having me again, Brooks. Um, Glad to be on again. Um, Can't wait for this episode, man. NBA returning, finally. About time we got started, right? Let's go. Um, First and foremost, just want to send our condolences to Wes Unseld, who passed away. I believe that was on, what's today, Friday? I think it was on Tuesday. Um, You know, the first time I ever heard about him was playing NBA Live. You know, Clark Kellogg and and, um, what's his name on NBA Live? Oh, you know, every time he scored on a fast break. Oh, man, he he, he threw out an outlet pass like he was Wes Unseld and this, that, and the third. And I had to to look him up. I realized, dang, this guy was, was tough. He was MVP and rookie, rookie of the year, his first year in the league. Brought the Wizards to the championship glory. You know, this guy wasn't a man. Um, what was the first time that you guys ever heard of Wes Unseld? Honestly, for me, it was uh, just hearing it from my mom. Honestly, I mean, she was, uh, you know, born in the 60s. So, um, and she grew up in uh, Southeast. So, you know, she heard of, you know, Wes Unseld through, you know, my grandfather because he was a big Wizards fan and all that type of stuff and the Bullets and all that. Um, I didn't know he was, um, when I looked him up, I didn't know he was, you know, the second round pick in his draft. That's one thing. And wow. I forgot that his uh, number was retired. So, you know, we want to talk about someone that paved the way, not only for, um, the bullets, but for the wizards, you know, in general, like you can't wear number 41 anymore. That's, that's one thing I noticed as well, but for someone to have an impact on the game, like you said, just hearing it in 2k and stuff like that, for someone to have that much of an impact on the game. Especially um, for someone that I haven't even heard of. Obviously, I wasn't born in those 60s, clearly. But, <laughs> but you know, for have someone to have that much impact on the game that is still relevant today, even though you don't hear his name as much as a lot of the guys in the Hall of Fame now, is still pretty powerful. And to have, and you know, I, honestly, I know the Wizards are in the, you know, the new format for this, you know, season. But that should be at least some sort of motivation. You know, he just passed away. And he was a big, I think he was a big advocate for this new NBA season uh, to keep continuing. So if you're a wizard, if you're like Bradley Beal, we'll probably talk about it later. He'll probably be like, you know, we got some motiv- a little bit of motivation going into this. So, so yeah. Sure. I think the first time, I think the first time I ever heard about West Unsell is kind of like similar to you guys in terms of like um, the like 2K, like being brought up and things like that. I actually ran into like a, 2k custom card of him on pinterest or whatever he was like 101 overall or something like that which i was like okay he must be dope if somebody decided they're gonna make him od yeah because i mean you know it is what it is but looking back at it i think the biggest thing that i take away from what i do know about him is he is one of the he's one of those underrated players throughout nba history that seems to always have the stat line of a player that you would expect to be, you know, upheld and talked about constantly. But he almost kind of is like, he just falls into that bring his lunch pail to work and get the job done type of thing. And I find that kind of interesting that you had that take uh, about um, it being motivating, actually, because I feel like 
you know, you would think that nobody really needs any motivation to get back up and ready to play right now when you've been away from a game, you, you know, get paid to play, but also enjoy playing so much. But I think the history of the Wizards, you know, you know, up until about a year or two ago, we were starting to really build some traction in terms of, you know, being perennial playoff visitors and things like that. I think seeing somebody like until who represented so much for the franchise bullets and wizards alike i think knowing that he passed or seeing that he passed is something that should definitely not only be on the minds of them while they kind of play but in terms of how they want to structure the future of the franchise in terms of moving forward having guys like him brought into their system maybe not from a production standpoint i mean the dude was crazy but from a mentality standpoint things like that for sure Sure, and you guys have brought it up a couple times now, but uh, July 31st, Board of Governors approved that for um, official NBA return. You know, um, I see Jalen here, he's he's doing the yes, sir. <laughs> um, and we're, we're all genuinely excited, but when you guys saw the NBA Board of Governors approve that, you got that Wolves bomb, that Sham bomb, what's going on through your mind as that happens? Um, you know, for me, I'm like, well, obviously, because obviously, you know, for a time, we were like, we don't really know what's going to happen. We don't know if it's really coming back, obviously, due to COVID, you know, uh, concerns and all that type of stuff. So it was in limbo for a time, but also because I'm not trying to bring a lot of baseball into it, but the baseball uh, 114 game shortened season just got um, denied as well. And they're going through a whole bunch in the MLB with the whole pay cuts and all that. So when you look at the MLB compared to the NBA, it was like, man, they're not even getting that done. So when I was looking at it in the NBA standpoint, I was like, hopefully they can get it done because a lot of these other leagues are canceling. They, they're not continuing their seasons. But this is why relationships with Chris Paul, the NBA Players Association, Adam Silver, and the rest of the league are so, so, so important. Because the reason why the NBA is coming back is the same reason why the MLB is not coming back. Because the relationships with the players and the owners is not this, not even the owners with agents and the players association is not the same in the NBA. So when I saw that coming back, I was like, like exactly like, I'm like, well, yes, sir, you feel me? But also, it's like, <laughs> that just shows you how incredibly run the NBA is compared to, I mean, we, we already know what's going on in the NFL with the Rooney Rule yep. and the MLB, obviously, like I said. But it's a lot. It's it's it shows you how great the NBA is, and me as a like I've seen you two as well. Huge NBA fans. We needed something, man. The last time I was excited for sports, and sad to say, was watching Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson go off in a golf match against Team <laughs> Bang Tiger Woods. Man, come on now. <laughs> so yeah, I'm super excited. You preaching, bro, to be honest with you, because the first thing, okay, it was two, it was two reactions off the rip. I'm gonna be honest. The first one is big hype, because you know, it, it was it was something that had to get ratified. So we almost got like tidbitted where we got like played a little bit because the day of it was like this is being proposed, proposed, but it still needs to be ratified. That'll be taking place tomorrow. I'm like, all right, please don't, please don't fall through. We need this to be a dub. Then when I when I get the vote, I'm like. Man, the Trailblazers are so goddamn. God, you're in your own <laughs> little world right now, dude. Y'all are gruddy. Because, I, I mean, and I get it. I understand why they didn't vote against it. But, I mean, as a fan, the first thing I thought of it was like, man, who would be who would possibly be against this? Then they put the vote out. I'm like, oh, well, I guess, I guess you can be a little salty about it. But I have to say the big thing is, like, 
first of all, I mean, round of applause, stamp of approval on my man's Adam Silver. At this point, if he's not GOAT stamped, I don't know what he's allowed to do that's going to bring him above where he is right now. I think that is really interesting that they found a way. And I, I feel like this is probably the most complicated thing about the entire setting the season back up thing. They found a way to try to create a competitiveness to it where they weren't just throwing the players back into the fire. They pushed back the draft, but it doesn't hurt the productivity that comes with the draft in terms of how like certain um, draft picks are set for the most part, except for our team, but we're probably going to talk about them a little bit. Yep. And then the other thing is they don't really end up anywhere in the NFL season, really. You know what I mean? It's still around October 12th. We're still talking like preseason as coming out, maybe entering week one type of training camp stuff. So it's one of those things where somehow they found a way to bring the NBA back, make it a productive return rather than just doing it to make sure that, you know, some players get paid. And they did it without jeopardizing any of, like, the bottom lines. Like, I mean, that's got to get a clap, for real. And like you guys all said, um, for sure, you know, we, we brought up the MLB and the fact that their players have come across as really just privileged in just the fact that, you know, they're they're, they're concerned about their pay cuts and all that. Um, you know, it's a huge disaster for the MLB. Um, definitely big kudos to Adam Silver and NBA because, you know, this is the first – North American Professional League that shut down the whole operations. They they set that mark, and now they're going to be this big experiment for America to figure out. All right, can this be done? You know, and I think the NBA is exactly who you want to see doing that because we see that they're trailblazers. We see that they're constantly doing. I will. I, I want to say the correct thing, but not always the correct thing. You know. Um, we, we see that they've that they've always been image conscious. So I think that this is a great step forward. I think we have to think about the questions, the broad questions, though, because what happens if someone gets sick? What happens or, you know, are the coaches wearing the mask? Because you know how old these coaches are. They're usually around the 50, 45 year old, um, like danger mark. You know, you know, what happens with the families? Are they going to be allowed to leave the hotels? Um, there's a whole lot of logistical questions that you got to think about. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about that? You know, what are your concerns as the league looks like it's going to re- resume in about a month? Yeah, um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's definitely some of my concerns. Obviously, you know, I mean, you looked at, I mean, you look at some of these soccer leagues, like European soccer leagues, like Bundesliga and Serie A. Um, a lot of them have already started playing, and some of them have already started, um, like they do tests regularly. And some of these players have actually started to get it. So, um, and obviously they're starting to get over it. But the same could very well happen in the NBA. Um, I hope to God not. But, I mean, that's one of my concerns. Obviously, you know, I, I mean, basketball is a contact sport. We know this. You have to touch people. You know, if you're, I mean, unless you're James Harden, you know, playing defense. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, obviously, you know, obviously playing defense, touching the same ball, pause. But, you know, it's just like it, it, you have to <laughs> – but you have to, you know, it's, it's a lot of um, contact, meaning that obviously you can't social distance playing basketball. I mean, that's easy for anyone to play basketball if you're social distancing. So in terms of, you know, my concerns, that's one of them. 
Uh, two, you know, who's actually really allowed to be in the in the stadium? You mentioned families, but how about security? That's that's one thing. How about you know these trainers, these you know athletic, you know skill coaches, all that type of stuff? Are they allowed to be in the on the stadium when that's happening? Because the the more people there are, the more concern it is for people to contract COVID. That's another that's another um, concern I have. Also, if you're you know, guys like, you know, the Wizards who already are, are dealing with, you know, John Wall's injury. I don't know when he's coming back, but you look at injuries. That's another thing that could very well happen. So when you're looking at the health of these guys, that's an, besides, you know, the obviously internal with viruses and stuff like that. You got to look at that. The physical. Some guys are actually coming off of injury. I mean, Steph Curry was coming off injury. Granted, the Warriors are not in it, but you have a lot of guys on some of these teams coming back from injury. That's another one of my concerns. So granted, and also, it's a longer season. Granted, we had a, a point, obviously, from March until whenever it is July with no games being played. But how many of these guys have been sh- staying in shape? You really don't know. Obviously, you can put, you know, videos on, um, like, workout videos and all that type of stuff. But how much you're actually contributing to it, we really don't know. So that's another thing. People can come back fresh out no stamina, all that type of stuff. And obviously there's going to be a little training camp before they play. But yeah. that's another of my concerns because if they're not putting their all into it before training camp even starts, injuries could pile as well, which again, God forbid they don't. But that's another possibility as well, which I'm a little concerned about. Before I let Jalen answer, um, they did confirm that they're going to be doing a week-long training camp from uh, July or June 31st, excuse me, to June 7th or July 7th. Then that's, I think, the day that they leave for Orlando. Then they have the quarantine. So, the 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 answer or the question of like physical fitness and just you know getting back into game shape and all that. I think that seven day window, even though it's small, will help with that a little bit. But Jalen, go ahead and give us a, give us some thoughts. I mean, I think I think all points that were made are very accurate in terms of all the concerns. And I mean, I think those are all, I think that's the reason why, right. It didn't just get sprung up as a bringing all, bring all 30 teams back. I think that factored a lot into that. 22 is still a ton. Let's not, you know, get over ourselves a little bit, but like, you know, that's still, that's still a lot of teams to be brought back, but they didn't bring every team back, which means they obviously took into account those who don't necessarily have a chance in the playoff picture rather Mm -hmm. than putting them at risk. Let's just call their season done as it is. Another thing about it is, and I'm kind of glad that you brought that up because the context of that is really important, that that training camp window, I think, works as more than just a, a way to get conditioned. I feel like that is part of the trial period in identifying things like the testing for COVID, like you were saying, where they're doing that regularly and things like that. This is their first, maybe, uh, unless you're like LeBron James where he was holding secret workouts and stuff, this is most people's first time interacting with their teammates in a while. Just that time frame alone may not show any senses of, like, contracting anything or anything like that, but it's also just the idea of understanding how things work now that they're being placed back into the workplace itself whether that's health related mentality related um like you guys were saying before in terms of being physically um ready to even come back eight game regular season before the postseason and all so i think the big thing that has to be taken away from all of you guys concerns um and really everybody's concerns because i'm sure the players are still kind of 
factoring these types of things in is the the preparation between now and July 31st. There's a reason why it's not being brought back as soon as possible. There's a reason why there's a grace period. There's a reason why they're not bringing every team back. It's because these questions still require answers. And if we hit July 31st and there's still questions to be answered, then, you know, we'll get there when we get there. But as of right now, there's a lot of these questions that I feel like they've given us little tidbits of this is how we're going to figure out how to handle it. And come July 31st, that we'll know before the ball tips off whether or not things are good to go or whether or not we might have to make a couple more tweaks. Before we move on, I think there has to be a point made about um just special eyes being on uh, first and foremost the Utah Jazz because they're kind of like patient zero for this whole situation <laughs> going on. Um, and yeah, you also have to look at the at the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the seventh seed of the of the of the Eastern Conference. You know, they had you know we know about KD having having Corona, but I think there were what four or five other players that have it. Um, and I I, I think. Or rather, I know the NBA is going to be especially wary wary of those two teams. Um, you know, don't know what the heck else happened in between that time frame from March until now, or July thirty first. So, I think there's going to be a lot of wariness around those two teams for sure. Um, but let's let's move on to this playoff format, man. We have nine Eastern Conference teams, and we have thirteen Western Conference teams. We we now know that if you're four games within the A seed, you get to play in that playing game. If you're not, you know, season's done. Um, do you think this is the Do you think this is the right solution to this? Do you think this is going to be bringing on a whole lot more excitement to the regular season and making it a little bit more uh, important, despite the fact that it's so there's so many asterisks around it. Mm-hmm. So I think. I think that the way that they're going about this is a way that they're trying to make it dynamic without forcing anybody into the the thick of it off the rip. Because you know, of course, everybody wants to see playoff basketball. But I mean, if I mean, LeBron James was looking like Kimbo Slice like two weeks ago. Like my dude is going <laughs> through it. So as much as you know, we you know a guy like him is keeping himself together. There's this idea that you know, setting them up with the eight regular season games, the play-in, which I think is interesting, but there's been a lot of, like, uh, chatter around um, the basketball sphere basically saying that the play-in is really partially implemented to get somebody like Zion Williamson into the playoffs, which is interesting from a rating standpoint, don't get me wrong, but, it. I mean, the NBA is all about their stars, but that, that sounds a little forced, so, I mean... I'm keeping my fingers crossed for teams like Memphis in a situation like this, to be honest. But I would say the biggest thing when you look at, like, the whole playoff format, I think the most interesting part about it is just how, like, unorthodox, like, the slant is between 13 teams to compete their heads off versus nine. Like, like, you know, we've always had this thing where – it's probably been maybe maybe the last five years, I'd say, is where it's been most prominent. Where it's been like the West has been so much more difficult than the East to the point that whoever comes out of the East 
typically we almost pencil them out when it comes to the finals, almost automatically. You know, yeah. LeBron James has obviously, you know, done his due diligence in getting there consistently, but there's something to say for the fact that, you know, <laughs> he really only beat the Warriors once, and we're talking about a situation where technically he wasn't even the one who hit the shot to winning. So it's one of those things where I I think this the, this format also indicates that the NBA is aware that getting rid of conferences is a d- discussion that is going to have to get held more just by how unorthodox the, the, the return is in terms of how many teams are coming back and why they feel that certain teams were um, in the position to be placed where they were. So, I mean, it's definitely a weird and interesting way to do things. I think the big part is just trying to give us games um, for sure because we missed out on a lot. But I think it could be cool. I think it really just depends on um, how things finish out, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, um, I like the format right now because, I mean, there was talks of just, hey, let's just put the top eight and the top eight from each. And obviously that's not fair as, you know, you have a lot of guys battling, you have a lot of teams battling for that eighth spot, not even eighth spot, even the seventh spot. I mean, look how close it was in the West and still is in the West. So that's another thing to note. But I think, uh, especially with the play-ins, it's it, it brings that excitement that we didn't have. Like, obviously, when the season was coming to an end, we didn't get that in April. And then even, granted, it won't replace it, but we didn't even have March Madness. So it's something, uh, in terms of a playoff. I know that hurts for you, bro. You're, you're a <laughs> Dean. I know that I, hurts. I know, don't, bro. We don't even got to talk about Dean right now. <laughs> it's the soul, man. But um, but it, it brings back that um, that playoff type tournament type excitement that we've been longing for. Now, granted, March Madness is you know one game instead of a seven game series, but I still think we'll get that excitement early, I mean, later on in the playoffs when you have you know the Bucks and the Raptors and the Heat and the you know Celtics in the in the East pull you know ballot out and all that type of stuff. Now, granted, it'll be different because this playoff format, like you said, Jalen, I mean, it's very much skewed highly toward the West when you have 13 teams, but look at those teams. I mean, you have Portland, you have, I mean, granted, I don't know why the Suns are really there, but you have the Suns, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm super excited for it. I understood why they did. I said on my podcast that I would actually be thrilled to watch, you know, guys like, like, you already, you know, you you hear me say it all the time, Brooks. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. The theory is brilliant. Drake once said it. Ultimate light skin. Drake once said it. Look, yes, if you have the eight seed right now, like for example, like the Grizzlies. If you have it right now, Ja got Ja and the, the Grizzlies got to prove to Zion, got to prove to Dame that they have that eight seed and they're willing to protect it. Instead of saying, "Oh, we got it," we you know, nah. This is the NBA, man. You, you got to go get it. You know, as simple as that. And if you have it, protect it. It's as simple as that. So I can't wait for it. And I can't wait to see guys like um, Ja and Zion, who obviously when Zion came back, you know, he was battling for the Rookie of the Year award. So that's one thing Blue. you got to watch Blue. out for. I know, it's crazy. So it's, it's stuff like that you got to watch out for. And I, I can't wait for it to be uh, exact. But Jalen brings up a very good point. You're going to be talking in, the la- in later years about the West and East, do we need to keep these same conferences? And you're looking at the playoff format. Do we go with the East versus the West 
or do or I forgot how the playoff format would work, but I think you uh, just take the top four and flip them. So I think it would be like the best record and the worst record go off, and the other two go off against each other. And most okay. likely, it looks like East versus West and East versus West. So again, you're looking at votes like that again, with GMs and and um, coaches and owners and stuff like that in the future. I, I think that's a, a very good point to bring up. But yeah, hundred percent. I can't wait for it. I can't wait until July. Sure, man. And with all that being said, I think the biggest loser are the Grizzlies because they have to fight up. Well, ten, really, they're gonna they're fighting off the Trailblazers and the Pelicans. Um, you know, they they don't have to worry about Sacramento. They don't have to worry about Phoenix. I don't know why you even put them in there. Um, with respect to D'Angelo, D'Angelo Aaron, or yeah, and Devin Booker. Um, and either way, yeah, you you you, you think about Ja, you think about Dylan Brooks and all of them. They have to really step up in these next eight games. You know, you can't sleep a single night. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of just coming at their backs and coming at their necks, man, because that eighth seed is going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're going to end up playing the Lakers, which is probably going to be a four-game sweep. But that eighth spot is coveted right now. Um, and you have to make sure that you're on your eight game, even with the seven games, um, or the eight games, excuse me, that are going to come up. But I want to talk about the Wizards because the Wizards actually have a chance to make the playoffs. They're five and a half games back from the eighth seed. What are their chances for you guys? You know, I love the Wizards. I love Brad Beal, dog. I love I love that supporting cast they got going on. And they're a tough team. But, man, <laughs> <laughs> it don't look too good for the Wizards right now. Whatsoever, man. I feel so bad for Brad Bill. We talked about it before, Brooks. It's 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 a it, for the for the Wizards this year. It was a year of just getting so close, but yet so far away. Because obviously, you know, you don't have John Wall right now, and that contract is atrocious. We need to do something about Scott Brooks. And then Brad Bill was, <laughs> and then Brad Bill was so close to catching Harden on uh, the leading league and scoring it. It just, it wasn't close right now. I mean, it's close, but I don't think he's going to get it like I told you. But if you look at about the teams they got to go up against, like we said, there's 13 teams in the West to, to the East nine, to the East nine. One, we already know the East is significantly weaker than the West. So for me, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very, um, <laughs> The way they make it is by the skin of their teeth. That's all I'm going to say. Because, again, we, we said you got guys. Like, I mean, look at the Magic, for one. They have an incredibly tough roster. Not a roster that's, like, beat you up and down the court all the time. No, they're a roster that's big and tough and something that the Wizards have had problems against. I mean, I love Markel. I mean, I really don't see – I mean, it's just – as I'm pointing it up in my head right now, the matchups they got to face, it's just look, it's just diminishing my hope for them to get that eight seed. I mean, people don't know about uh, playoff Jonathan Isaac for Orlando. He went off last year against the Raptors. Even though they lost, he went off last year against the Raptors. It's stuff like that. You're looking at all these intangibles and you're looking at these matchups that the Wizards have to go up against. I don't even – in these eight regular season games, I don't know if they'll um, contend for that eight seed. I mean – it's not like they're playing against like the the Hornets or the Warriors or something like that in in some of these eight games. No, they got to play against. I mean, 
I don't even know what it's going to look like, honestly, what eight games they'll put up against each other. But I guarantee you, knowing the Wizards, they're going to have something, and they're going to go up against, like, I don't know, the the, the Pelicans or, or some or some team that they know that they, that that's going to run them off the court. And it's it's just frustrating, Brooks. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we just talk about the trifecta of L's that can come in this scenario? I mean, let's 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 go through let's go through option one. Option one is. We get the A seed and go up against the Bucks in round one. That's not fun to me. The second option is we don't get in the playoffs and we are locked into having the number nine pick regardless, regardless of the circumstances in terms of record or anything after the games are played. Pretty much whether we lose in the first round or we don't make it, we are pretty much locked into that nice spot, which this draft is not deep and is one of those you got to find the gym drafts. And I hate to say it, but like in a find the gym draft for a team that is really trying to figure out an identity right now to a certain extent, that is not promising to me. Is it still lot- lottery pick? Yes, of course. But this is one of those where we are going to have to trust the GM to really think with his brain and then also trust Scott Brooks to actually play him because, yep. you know, that's doesn't yeah so that's kind of a big deal and then of course the third and kind of like most impactful option honestly is really no matter how you weigh it i don't see what our team takes away from either scenario because i think that let's say the third scenario is we make the playoffs but the secret weapon that gets activated is john wall says he's actually going to come play I don't even think that that, considering the circumstances, he hasn't played in, like, like basically almost two years when we factor in the injury prior, if we're talking about fully. Um, he hasn't played with this established roster, which has been a, st- a roster that has been score buckets first, be a turnstile defense afterwards in terms of just trying to outscore the other team and pretty much living and dying by whatever the ending uh, scoreboard looks like and I think that even if he comes back I feel like all that does is give us hope but I'm sorry for a team that is the, the, for a team that is trying to figure it out I don't I don't want to see him on the court so it, it's it's conflicting because if we if we get in it's like dang I guess we're not gonna be around that long if we don't get in then we're kind of screwed to a certain extent in the draft. And if we get in, but we bring back a star in John Wall, all it does is make me feel like the, the team is walking on eggshells because as much as we want to see him back, is it too premature? There's, there's too many scenarios where it almost seems like we lose no matter what. Man, Jeff. I can't believe that you guys are so are being so negative about this. <laughs> this is great. This is great for this team. This is great for Bradley Bill. This is great for Rui Hachimura. This is great for, you know, the the the, the development of these guys. You know, you, you get to play meaningful basketball again. Like we're gonna see what these guys are made of. We already know we already know that that Brad Bill, you know, he lets his nuts hang. You know, he's he's gonna go out there, he's gonna get his thirty, gonna get his eight, six, all of that. Um, I think it's going to be really fun to see. Um, granted, you know, it could just really turn on his head 
and you know the Wizards just completely flop. That's that's a possibility, but I'm willing to bet that you know the Wizards could win out of those eight games. Let's say they won like five, you know, and and the Magic, you know, they end up getting fluffy. You know, they they end up just bit totally missing the mark. You know, I think that's it's a possibility, man. I'm I'm gonna be positive about this. I'm gonna manifest what I want to see for the Wizards. You know, um, granted, I don't think I think the I think uh, John Wall he told the Athletic on a podcast. There's no way I'm coming back. Um, you know, because he's only he was only playing three on three before this whole pandemic occurred. Um, so. Yeah, realistically, I, I don't think that's a good or a big ask. Um, but regardless, you know, you have the team leader. You have these guys that can really show their stuff. And I think that's – I think I think we should be willing to bet on that. Um, but, you know, what do you guys – am I being naive? Am I, am I just – Yes. Asking too much? <laughs> yes. I mean, look, 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 look. I'm going to say one thing. That's all I have to say. So, <laughs> right? So, bringing up Orlando, it's home. It's home, baby, to them. It's home. I was literally just about to say, <laughs> and, bro, and two, oh, you got to think about how these guys are playing away from home. You want to know what the Wizards record away from home was? Not good. They did 24, bro. I do not have no faith in this squad playing away in a neutral site. I love him. I love Brad. I love Rui. I love what Thomas Bryant could be for the squad later on. But my goodness, they are not a good in away team. It's as simple as that. I mean, especially playing away from home, you got to take into account who's actually had a good time standing their ground away from their home court. And the Wizards haven't really done that since like 2016, 2017. So when you look at it, I, I love the faith in them. I love the hope because that's really what all Wizards fans have right now is hope. <laughs> So, but when you're talking about, especially with this new format, I agree with Jalen. I'm like, I, you look at those scenarios, man. It's all, it's all prayers. It's all prayers. Sure, Brooks. You know I'm usually not the hater, bro. You know I'm usually not this type. But it's like when I'm looking at this, I'm the. I mean, because that was the thing that I never realized until I had got the notification about the draft spotting. About it. it's just like, it's a setup. Because I mean, it's like, dang. I mean. Don't get me wrong. Don't, and I think I think the playing on a neutral site thing is something that a lot of people are not taking into consideration about this in terms of the performance of teams. This is this is stuff where even teams like the Nuggets are going to have to really prove themselves. They are scary at home, but when they get on the road, they are a whole different squad. This is this is an inter- interesting way that they're going about this because this is the the kind of um push to the playoffs that displays um you know the teams that have throughout the season up until this point that were able to produce in hostile environments basically not being pumped up by the home crowd that has a lot to do with this not just because they're on a neutral site is there a crowd we're pretty sure there's not so the idea is that for teams that role players rely on crowd pumping up pumping them up and things like that this whole thing is a drastic uh change for everybody just from not just where they're at but the way that everything is going to be in terms of the environment they're in i think this is going to put everybody um in a position where they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror because there's nobody else to look themselves 
look look at, you know, or look out at in terms of, you know, trying to build that motivation. I think with the Wizards, like you like like Ian said, I really think that all we have is hope. And I'm never gonna give that up because at the end of the day, there are too many guys on this team that I have a lot of belief in. And seeing them with postseason um experience is something that I won't take for granted. It's one of those things where it's like a you know, glass half full type of take to me is, you know, is it a dub? Not really. But is it a dub as a fan that just wants to see them in general? Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll reevaluate myself. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get on to something that's uh, very, very, very real for us three, you know, as three young black men. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of athlete activ- activism going on. Um, you know, you see the famous example of Jalen Brown traveling 15 hours from Boston to Marietta, Georgia, organized this protest. You know, you got Bradley Bill, um, you know, being being an activist and, and posting on his on his social media, making sure his voice is heard. Uh, Mo Wagner, he went out to a protest recently as well. Um, I want to ask you guys, is athlete activism, you know, something that's really important to you guys? Do you want to see these athletes stand up for their own voices and making sure that, you know, people understand what these true issues are? Oh, 100 percent. There was a quote. I forgot who said it. I don't even know if it was a quote. I think someone just tweeted it. They said that there is it's not all uh, in, in this scenario. It's not all these people, but a lot of rich black people sometimes will see themselves as just rich people and not black people as well. So when you see these guys that have made it to the league starting to make a ridiculous amount of money for themselves and knowing what they can do is, is huge, especially with young black kids looking up to them and wanting to be like them. Like, Oh, I want to be like John. I want to be like Bradley Bill. I want to be like, you know, Kyrie, Katie, all that type of stuff. I think it's big that they're using their platform for good. Um, obviously, you know, it, whether the guys that are staying silent or just don't know what to say, you know, can look to guys like Bradley Bill and Mo and even Kyrie, who's been at um, some protests as well. So I think it's huge that they're using their activism for good. Um, my thing is, especially Brad Bill has been all over Twitter. I know I don't know if y'all seen it. He's been all over Twitter talking about yeah. I mean, not only he's been educating himself on the matter, too. I think that's another big thing as to why it's it's big. What my thing is, for some, some of those players that aren't speaking out, I think it's one, I think the, not only the media, but I feel like a lot of people look to these like celebrities or, you know, sports players and say like, oh, we need you to speak out. Sometimes, well, one, we shouldn't really be looking to them all the time because sometimes they won't even do it or they don't know how to say it. For example, like Odell, o- OBJ, I, mean, I know it's his football, but I got to bring it in, but Yep. OBJ, you know, spoke out and he said, you know, like, you know, peace, all that type of stuff. He like he was against, the, you know, the protests at first because he was like, we need peace. We need this. He was like, you know, like he didn't understand it at first. But then once he started to educate himself onto it, that's when he used his platform for good. So, yeah, I 100 percent agree that activism, especially in terms of these pro athletes works, because, I mean, when you're looking at it, that's how you make a difference. I mean, we talked about I know you'll probably seen the last dance, right? Mm-hmm. MJ did nothing during that political uh, turmoil in the in the 80s and 90s. And look how that turned out. Not really that great. I mean, especially with some of the quotes he was talking about, like with the Republicans wearing my shoes too. Granted, 
at that time is different. This is the difference between right and wrong, not literally a political side. It's literally a difference between right and wrong, not conservative or liberal, um, Democrat or Republican. It's literally right versus wrong here. So when you got these guys making statements, doing what they can, using their use the, donating their money they can. Um, like we talked about it, Brooks, um, John Wall and Bradley Beal were donating masks and meals and stuff like that. I think it's big, especially when you call a place where you're where you're technically working, whether it be Washington D.C. or Denver or whatever, a home. You kind of treat it. You kind of treat that fa- like community, like a family, like it's home to you because they brought you in. Like when John Wall got drafted, they treated him like family because they knew he was going to be the franchise later on. Same thing with Bradley Beal. They kind of treat them like family. So when I when I see that, it's huge. It's it's huge. It means a lot to me as a as a sports fan. Um, and it means a lot to, you know, the NBA in general, seeing that their guys really do care. Like the NBA Cares Foundation isn't just there for show. What what kind of saddens me is when I know this is an NBA, but when guys don't really know what they're talking about or don't know their ignorance. For example, Drew Brees, man, that was big time hurt. Big time hurt. Now, granted, I accept his apology. I do because he was kneeling beforehand. There are pictures of him kneeling with his players beforehand. I just think he was speaking out of place where he didn't understand his privilege and didn't know how ignorant he was on the subject. Now, again, if there's guys like that in the NBA, again, like I said before, they can talk to guys like Bradley Beal. They can talk to guys like Kyrie. Oh, my goodness, LeBron. <laughs> they can talk to all these types of guys and see not only their perspectives, but also where they're coming from and why they agree with these protests and stuff like that. So it's huge for me to see. I just think overall, I'm just glad that African-American athletes are starting to realize what their worth is, not just their say, but what they actually do. I mean, we had one of the top guards coming up in terms of high school and Mikey Williams saying openly, HBCU don't sound that bad right now. And he's honest with you. Let's let's put that in perspective. Like, let's put that in perspective for a second, guys. We're talking about a 15-year-old that realizes what him going to a school that might not have the type of publicity as a Duke or a Kentucky or a Kansas or blue or a blue bloods blue blood school like that, he realizes what that does. The idea that this narrative that people have been putting out uh, putting out, or I guess this idea that people have been saying, pull your sons out of D one schools and put them into HBCUs and let's see how they act. It's not the threat that um that gets me. It's the fact that they know what the threat means. It's the fact that they understand that it goes beyond their skin color in terms of how they are valued or devalued. It's one of those things where they can go to all these protests and things like that but I think it's what they do with the knowledge they have in terms of their decision-making overall that really, you know, shows how we're moving along. I know that there's like, you know, we're in this knuck if you buck generation that's kind of like, you know, when stuff gets rowdy, it's time to go off. But seeing guys like there's another young guard, Sky Clark, he was helping with um, rebuilding and put stuff, putting stuff back together after some of the riots with a guard from Cleveland, Darius Garland, um, just the other day in terms of just knowing that, you know, age has nothing to do with how you represent yourself. Um, the amount of followers you have on Twitter has no 
um, impact on how you represent yourself. The idea is that when you go out and you not only educate yourself, like you preach Ian, because that's a that's a big point. It's just understanding what it is, but not just educating yourself, but also putting that into motion. The fact that, like, the dumb jock stereotype is getting flatlined like crazy. It it hurts that it's had to take until, you know, 2020. I mean, I guess you could say it's been a little bit recent, uh, a little bit more recent, especially with, like, Trump being elected and things like that. But I would say in, in situations like this, especially for, like, those younger guys like Scott Clark and Mikey Williams and stuff like that, to see in 2020 that the dumb jock stereotype is been dissipated or if not flatlined completely is probably the most impressive thing about it because we're always used to seeing the athlete that balls out while they have the bread and then works at McDonald's after the bread is gone and they've retired. These are guys that realize their social equity, their monetary equity, and just like the importance of life in general races, you know, bygones be bygones in terms of how you decide uh you know who's worth i I feel like it's one of those things where i feel like it's just really good to see that everybody understands you know what it's gonna take to push the change we're trying to get yeah and um jim one of your points about mikey williams a 15 year old out in california saying what he was saying about hbcus i think for one that's amazing to, to hear because you know we just had Josh Christopher over here going to Arizona State. Um, you know, he was playing open gym at Howard University, and people were really excited to see that. And now you have this, what many people think is going to be like the 2023 best player in the country, um, openly saying on Instagram and all these things saying, you know, I'm going to have an HBCU top 10 list, top five list, you know. And I just want to make sure that people understand there are HBCUs that are Division One. We have Howard. We have NCAT. Uh, who else? Um, Hampton. You know, you have these Division One schools, and you know we have to be willing to generate the the money, the revenue, the power for these schools because, you know, these were the schools that, you know, you have uh, who is it? Jerry Rice. You know, this is football, but Jerry Rice. You have Moses Malone. Uh, you know, there are multiple professionals in football, basketball, whatever, who played at HBCUs. And, you know, it just, it turned his head to going into PWS and all that. But, you know, we have to be willing to give our HBCUs the power because that's the reason why we're able to get the education that we were able to get because we had HBCUs. Um, with that being said, um, you know, when you guys see, like, I, I mean, I already asked this question really, but you know, seeing these guys go out there, seeing these guys identify with us, being able to make sure that, um, you know, they do more than just shut up and dribble and being and doing more than just, you know, kneeling and making sure that, um, you know, their voices are heard. I think that's such a great thing. And I just want to make sure that people understand that it's more than just, it was, it, it, these protests, these kneelings, everything, it's, it's more than just quote unquote disrespecting the flag. That, that wasn't the point of, of the message. It's about the police brutality and the discrimination that people face. And, you know, people like Laura Ingram, um, you know, these people that talk about the whataboutisms and the howabouts is is more about is more than just that, you know, these, these those people go to jail for what they did. Police officers don't. 
And um, yeah, I mean, that's just my two cents about it. Um, thank you guys so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for, you know, just bringing on your brilliant minds, guys. I, I really enjoy these podcasts with you. Uh, you know, we're going to do them again and again until the wheels fall off, man. Um, before we go, is there anything that you guys want the crowd to know? Um, obviously, you know, I've been away from my podcast this week, you know, just trying to process this whole thing. Um, I was honestly surprised that I did my podcast last week, um, when I was talking about the issues in this world and in this nation. Um, but obviously I'll be back next week. I actually want to get both of you on for that as well. Um, definitely. Cause I, I definitely enjoy these conversations. We're probably talking about the same stuff, but, um, it was amazing to me how, you know, my numbers, it, it's sad, but I'm glad it, it good at the same time that that episode where I talked about all the injustices and, you know, the inequality and my experiences with racism, that was the episode that did numbers. I'm talking like, I usually have like 60 downloads a month. Now nah, that had roughly 200 downloads for that episode alone. Nice. And it, it's sad that it had to be that that made it that big, but it's but that it's good in the sense that it, it showed people what it, obviously this is more than sports. This is more than, you know, um, obviously entertainment and, you know, what people go to us for, which is sports takes and stuff like that. This is more than that. And last thing I want to say is I hope both of y'all are staying safe. Y'all families are staying safe, especially with COVID going on. So, um, yeah, stay safe. I'll definitely stay in touch with both of y'all. Sure. Yeah, I guess I have to leave off. I'm going to leave off with a piece of news as well. Uh, Brooks, I am here to formally inform you on the podcast that I am your co-worker now, my guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, definitely, like you said before, expect a lot of um, good things from Duo. Ian, I would love to get on your podcast anytime. Hit my phone. We can do the dang thing. It's nothing but a thing. And like you said, I just want everybody to um, stay safe, be careful, stay informed. If you don't take anything else away from this podcast, we love the Wizards. We love basketball. But it's a lot of stuff going on right now. Just stay informed. Keep your head in the game. I know social media is looking a little scary, but scary is good when you're trying to inform, for sure. Yep, and beautifully said, guys. I just want to say... Get it off my chest, you know, stay informed, understand what it is that we are protesting about. You know, there, there's going to be people that distract from it and try to talk about the riots and, and all these other things that have nothing to do with it. Um, but just make sure that you listen to the black people, to brown people, people of color, because this is what these this whole thing is about. Um, you know, check your privilege at the door, you know, stay knowledgeable, all that good stuff. Um, MBA. If you give Zion the rookie of the year, there's going to be problems. <laughs> He's only played, what, if he plays eight games, that's like, what, 30 games? No reason that man should, should win it. Um, Wizards, I hope you guys prove me right and, and, and do some great things. But, you know, my, my boys here, they're, they're disagreeing with me. But, uh, yeah, and uh, once again, thank you guys for coming on. We are out. Bang! Peace.